RMA would like to acknowledge the traditional custodians of the land on which this podcast is recorded, the Dharawal people. We pay our respects to the elders past and present and extend that respect to other Aboriginal people listening today. It took a long time and I, I can't pinpoint when it was or if it was a progression thing for me, but I just, I made a decision at one point just I, I didn't want to be defined as the woman who lost her child. I wanted to be defined as the woman who got up. Um, so I made that choice to get up and move forward. And I just, I look at Max now as um, such a gift. Um, what I went through is, is insane. Like I can't even, I look back and I can't even comprehend how I got through that or survived that. But I just, he, he's just such a gift because I, I just think if that didn't break me, you know, that's something that should break someone, but it hasn't. If that didn't break me, then what will? And I, I feel like that's why I'm drawn to ultras and in particular the backyard ultra. You know, you go into this really mental, weird warp zone mm-hmm. where, where you break and... Um, I, I guess I'm seeking that out because I, I need to know if Max didn't break me, then what will? Mm. What can I do? How far can I go? And I, I really believe it would be completely selfish of me as his mother to not find out. Hello, hello. Welcome back to another episode of the RMA podcast. Thanks for being here. Today I have a very special guest for you, RMA Community Ambassador for Brisbane, Nicole Dukes. I wanted to share Nicole's story because it might be one that resonates with a lot of women out there. You see, Nicole is a mum of a baby boy who passed away in 2010. It was her first time being a mum and at her 20-week scan they were told there was something wrong with her little boy Max's heart. It was too small for a diagnosis at that point and they had to wait six more weeks so they could have a better look. So at 26 weeks while still in the womb, her son Max was diagnosed with hyperplastic left heart syndrome. This is a condition where the left side of his heart is grossly undergrown and cannot be pumping blood around the body correctly and it is a fatal diagnosis. At that time, Nicole and her then partner were given three choices that day. They could terminate. And if they chose this, the doctors would have to write their report in such a way that a court would grant them an order for termination, given the term of the pregnancy. Their second choice, once he was born, would be that they could take an emergency helicopter to Melbourne, where they would have the best neonatal heart surgeons. He would have three open heart surgeries in the first year of his life, and this would only be enough to keep him palliative. After that, he would need a heart transplant, which would likely never come. Their third option was to let Max continue to grow in Nicole's belly until he was ready to be born. And then they could let him live out his natural life with no interventions. If they were lucky, he might get a few weeks. It was such a heartbreaking choice to make as a parent, as you can imagine, to figure out you know, how your child was going to die is something that you would never wish upon anyone. But that's the choice they were making. Whatever option they chose would result in them having to say goodbye to Max. 
Nicole and her partner chose to let Max continue to grow inside her where he was safe, knowing that he was still with them for the time that they had. She had to endure a pregnancy to full term, knowing that inevitably Max was going to die. And that was really hard, as you'll hear in this episode, people coming up to her, talking to her about her pregnancy and what it was going to be like to be a mother of a child after birth. You can imagine how difficult that could be. She had to keep apologizing to people for telling them that her baby was going to die and see their reaction. Max decided to meet them at 33 weeks and he was a natural birth and she didn't even get to hold him when he was born because he had to go straight on life support. For two days, he was in the neonatal intensive care, being kept alive by a lot of machines. And on day two, he was taken off life support and they finally got to hold him. It was only hours later that Max left this world. Nicole didn't get to leave hospital with her baby. And you can imagine walking out, holding a blanket that had his clothes and a lock of his hair wrapped inside it and what that felt like. She said that when she walked out, she wanted to scream to every single person that she passed, do you know what just happened to me? Do you know my baby died? But she didn't because she couldn't even speak. It took a long time for her to recover from the loss of Max. And in all honesty, you never really do recover from something like that. But she says that at one point there was a moment but she can't pinpoint the moment, but she decided to make a choice at some point that she could stay down and define herself as the woman who lost her child or she could get up and she chose to get up. She decided that it would be completely selfish of her as his mother to not go out and live her biggest and best life because he will never have the chance to. She often thinks about what draws her to the Backyard Ultra, which is what we will talk about in this podcast today. Nicole is drawn to doing ultras and particularly the Backyard Ultra. And she believes that it's because the whole point of that race is to get up. You need to get up out of your chair every hour and start the next lap. If you choose to not get up, you're out. So she chooses to get up. She chooses to endure the suffering and the pain because her son gave her a gift of unbreakability. She suffered through the worst pain imaginable and she didn't break. And she wants to know, if that didn't break her, then what will? How far can I go until I break? Max gave her that gift and without him, she would never have known that she was unbreakable. These days, she looks at her experience of losing her son as a positive. It's been a journey to reframe her thinking in that way, but he deserves to be looked upon as a positive experience. Nicole chose to be an RMA ambassador because she loved the support and the wealth of knowledge that RMA gave her. And she harnessed that opportunity to give back to this community. She wants to support other women. She wants to be affiliated with something that she's extremely proud of because she has that culture inside her of sportsmanship and of building each other up. She's a single mum of two now. Amity, who's 10, and Jack, who's 8, and she also works full-time as a paralegal, and in June, she'll also finish her law degree. She also has a major talent 
for running ultras. And recently at the Dead Cow Gully Ultra, she broke the female record for around 30 hours and running a phenomenal 201 kilometers. As you can see, Nicole is an amazing woman and a huge inspiration, and her story deserves to be shared. Let me introduce you to Nicole Dukes. Before we begin, a message from this week's sponsor, Physiocram Massage Gel. Physiocram has been helping Running Mums Australia to achieve their running goals for years now and ease those post-training muscular aches and pains. Hurting sucks and Physiocram has our back. To get your own Physiocram, head to www.physiocram.com.au. Don't forget, if you're a member of the member program, you can get 20% off with your member code. You can also find Physiocram at your local pharmacy. Hi, Nicole. Welcome to the RMA podcast. Hi, Nicole. Thank you for having me. It sounds weird that I'm saying hi, Nicole, and you're like, hi, Nicole. Yeah. (laughs) How bizarre. Um, but uh, I'm really excited to have you on. Um, you're a beautiful part of our RMA community. And mm-hmm. I actually want to get to know you more myself. And we haven't actually met properly in person. No, yet. we've never actually. I've seen you as I've been flying by at races, but we've never actually stopped to have a chat properly. So this yeah. is really cool. Yeah. So this is really nice. And we will get to meet this year. And I, I am hoping we get to do that. And um, but it'll be nice to get to know you a little bit more. And, and I guess, um, you know, part of the RMA podcast is showcasing women in our network and you're one of our RMA community ambassadors for Brisbane and yeah. and everybody has a story and you have a really beautiful and interesting and challenging and heartbreaking like, <laughs> and amazing story. Um, yeah. So thank you for sharing with us today. I know it takes a lot for people to actually open up and share their stories sometimes but I think sometimes in being vulnerable and sharing we might challenge or inspire other people that might be going through a similar journey yeah I agree yeah yeah so before we get into your story do you want to just tell the listeners where you are from and I guess how like you know how you were brought up and was being active or running part of your life as a young child. Yeah, so I am a Brisbane girl. I'm one of the Brisbane community ambassadors. Um, Yeah, Brisbane, born and bred, been here my whole life. Um, I was never really a proper runner. Um, In school, I would run. I'd get age champion here and there, um, but it wasn't something that I did religiously Um, and as a teenager it can just completely dropped off the radar um, when I found boys (laughs) (laughs) Um, but yeah it wasn't until actually 2015 that um, the love of it sort of started to come Mm. Um, so my sister-in-law actually made me go to my first park run Um, yeah so that was New Farm Park Run back in 2015 and I nearly died (laughs) it was so hard it was I had to walk half of it it was really hard yeah um, and then um, not long after that um, my best friend Gemma who was into triathlons and would run and everything um, suggested that I do bridge to Brisbane which was 10k yep. and um, I just I pretty much laughed at her and just thought no one runs 10k that's just dumb yeah. um, it's like yeah, so she, far so far yeah 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 <laughs> So I trained for it and um, I was really proud of myself. It was, it was, yeah, such an enjoyable experience. I just remember running and when I crossed that finish line, just, you know, that amazing feeling of accomplishment, like I worked for it and I did it. 
Mm. Um, and then in it was 2016, I think, and um, the girls and I were sitting around and just having a few wines and we were just talking about our bucket list items. And um, Gemma mentioned wanting to go to New York. And I said, oh, well, I'd like to do a marathon. And um, so we'd had a few wines and we thought it would be a great idea to do the New York marathon. <laughs> so sure enough, the next day we, um, we booked it. Wow. Um, and we went and did that in 2016 and it was amazing. Yeah. One of the best experiences of my life, running to Central Park after 42 kilometres of just a hard slog. I had pneumonia at the time, actually. Um, oh. Yeah, yeah. Um, but I just, I, I wasn't going to miss it. There was just no way. Oh, um, amazing. Yeah, it was yeah. amazing. You know, when you think back to that first park run, I guess, yeah. I remember my first 5K race. It wasn't park run because park run didn't exist then, not mm. that long ago. Um, but it would have been, oh, I can't even think, it must have been like 2011 or something. The kids were little and yeah. I was going to die. <laughs> like, yeah. It was so hard. It's hard. It's so really hard. hard. Yeah. When you look at like where you started to where yeah. you are now, like, you know, just over the weekend in Dead Cow Gully yeah. Ultra, that's what it's called, right? Yeah. Is yeah. That right? Yeah. Mm -hmm. uh, you did like 200, was it 201 kilometres? Yeah. Yep. 201. You know? That's just incredible to going from 5Ks where you felt you were going to die to 201 yeah. kilometres. So there's yeah. so much that we need to fill in the gaps here <laughs> in your story. But there's been a lot that's happened. <laughs> there's been a lot. A lot of enabling, I'm sure, and a yeah. lot of falling in love with running um, and a lot of reasons why you run, which is why yeah. we wanted to have you on. And I think it's interesting to see the evolution I guess, of women, particularly as runners as well, because I think women, we're really good at like, I don't know, challenging ourselves and going after stuff that makes yeah. us, um, I guess, I don't know, learn stuff about ourselves and yeah. um, challenge ourselves and find, I don't know, just have deep insight about ourselves through, mm -hmm. through giving ourselves these challenges. And I think that you've yeah. done that. And I've been watching, I've been watching the last few years, your, the evolution of you as a runner, particularly um, these ultras that you do, because they're not ultras that I would do. Like they're not like <laughs> running in the mountains. Would do. <laughs> no, like they're not like, I go, uh, I'll just do a big loop in the mountains somewhere. Like yeah. where you're running around, athletics tracks or backyard ultras which is around like a shorter circuit maybe five or six to ten kilometers or something loops of the same thing over and mm -hmm. over for like a long period of time like so it's yeah. very different and i'm interested to find out why you do that <laughs> so before we get into that though um i wanted to find out what led you to rma how did you find us and what does yep. the RMA community mean to you yeah, so it was actually in about, I think it was 2015, um, 2016, when I signed up for the New York Marathon. Yeah. Um, I was talking to an old friend um, and she saw that I'd started training because I was started posting little things on Facebook about it. And she said, hey, you should join this group. It's called Running Mums Australia, you know. Mm -hmm. um, they talk about running, you'll get heaps of advice, so much support. Um, so I did. And I think at the time there was maybe 10,000 members or less. Yeah. Um, but yeah, immediately you just, I don't know, it's like suddenly there was this group of women who understood what I was trying to do and what I was feeling. Mm. Do you know what I mean? Yeah. <laughs> yeah. yeah, that's why I created yeah. it. <laughs> <laughs> yes. Yeah, so yeah, just immediately there's just 
I, was, I just felt supported and I felt like I've set this huge goal, which feels unachievable right now, but all of these people have done it or they're in the same boat and they're going to help get me there. Yeah, yeah. Mm. And, and it's so true. Like, and that's why I created it. It, it. it was a place where, you know, online, so it meant that it didn't matter where you were in Australia, yeah. you had someone somewhere. Um, and, and even like um, just recently I met someone when I was in Tassie that was talking about it and I thought, you know, they mentioned that they lived like, you know, in a small country town with no one else around but they felt like they were part of something amazing and something big yeah. and something that connected them to other women who had a yeah. similar interest. Yeah, big And, time. you know, it's for everyone but particularly even those women that don't have, I guess like us, we live in big cities that have yeah. lots of RMAs. Um, mm. So, you know, it, gave, it gives people that sense of power of community. Um, so obviously that played a big role in your, your life, in your running journey, I guess, yeah. and how that's evolved. Yeah. And I wanted to find out too, like, you know, you're one of our community ambassadors. Like what yeah. does that mean to you and why did you say yes when I asked you to do that? Like what, was it, what is it about being well, an ambassador for anything but a community ambassador for RMA that you want to um, share with women who run? Yeah, I you put a post out in RMA and I saw it and I think I emailed you straight away because I just thought, well, this is great. You know, I, I can't remember how long I'd been in the community. I think it was about maybe 2020 you did that post. Yeah. So, you know, I'd, I'd been lurking around on the page for a long time and, and, you know, meeting women and discussing things and, yeah, it just really appealed to me. I just wanted to give back. Like I'd seen what you'd done for women and it's just so important to me, um, the whole women supporting women thing, yeah, yeah. it's yeah. really important. Yeah. And have mm. you got some, like, great women friends in the running oh world my God. that have supported <laughs> do you? Like, do you want to give them a little shout-out now to some of Oh, absolutely, yeah. <laughs> Leah, Alice, Gemma, I, oh, you're going to make me cry. <laughs> Sorry. Um, <laughs> I tend to <laughs> Yeah, uh, um, Alice and Leah actually crewed me at Dead Cow Gully on the weekend and oh, it was one of the most amazing experiences of my life so and I can't thank them enough and I know what it's like to be crew and it's mm. probably been one of the most amazing experiences of their life you know yeah. to mm. support another woman who's doing something so incredible yeah. um that you probably won't ever know what that meant for them as well like it's you know they might not have been the ones doing the running but they certainly helped get you over the finish line. So, I yeah, it's really felt, incredible. Yeah, yeah I felt very loved and cared for. Yeah, yeah. you kind of need it doing too much. Yeah, no one kicking your butt out that out yeah. of that checkpoint. Um, well, let's talk about now your running, you know, journey in terms of things that you've done. So, I wanted to find out about your first marathon experience in New York. Mm -hmm. um, so. I mean, I wanted to go to New York. Yeah, you, uh, did you end up going? You, no, because no. COVID. So we had the tickets yeah. booked. We, we paid for it all. Like we yeah. were ready to go in 2020, 2020. Yeah. yeah. Um, and we had a big group. I think 35 of us were mm -hmm. going to go. Um, yeah. And then COVID hit, unfortunately. So we haven't gone yet, but we will still go eventually. Um, but what was it like to run your first marathon in New York? Uh, if, if people can do it at least once in their life, they they should. I, I can't even describe the atmosphere of that race. You're talking like you go through all five boroughs of New York, you start on Staten Island and you just make your way around all of New York and the crowd the whole way. It's 
10, 20 people deep just cheering. And if you have your name on your shirt, they, they cheer your name the whole way. Or if, you know, we, we had Australia flags on our arms and you yeah. go Australia or <laughs> go Nicole. So the whole way, it was amazing. Wow. Yeah. Did, yeah. You, did you, like, kind of forget about the pain because you were just in awe of everything happening around you? Yeah, it was... Well, I had pneumonia. Yeah, um, apart from the but, pneumonia. Yeah, I, I, couldn't, I can't breathe. <laughs> couldn't really breathe. But, um, yeah. yeah, like it, it did. It got hard. Um, I think from like the 30K point, it, it was a slog, but it just, it was magic. It was amazing. The, the crowd just carried you the whole way. Wow, that's so cool. So who did you go with over there? Your Gemma. Yep. Yeah, so Gemma and I, we, um, we were setting out to get our six-star medal. Mm-hmm. Um, so we have done Chicago as well in 2018 and then we were booked in to Tokyo in 2020. Okay. But, yeah, the week we were meant to fly out, it got cancelled. So, okay. yeah. Yeah, so you still have that on your, do you still have that on your bucket list to get the six stars? Um, eventually. It's, yeah, it's not as important to me now. It was my main running goal. Um, but then I discovered backyard ultras and my whole life changed. <laughs> so <laughs> yeah. I took a different, you know, different path. You definitely have. You definitely <laughs> have. And I mean, I, lis- I listened to Isabel on the podcast last week and um, yeah. talking about um, just her view and running and how that's changed and mm. um, that she's not into really like the real commercial races. She likes something a little yeah. bit kind of quieter and grassroots. And, yeah, yeah. it's really good when you find... I guess when you find your thing and you find what lights you up and it's not the same for everyone. So some people it's a road marathon, some people it's, it's a 10 K on the track. Some people Mm. it's a backyard ultra like yourself. So um, I'm definitely drawn to races that have the mental challenge element. mm. Um, If it's lacking in that, then um, you probably won't see me doing it. (laughs) Yeah. Yeah, definitely. And let's talk about that now, because part of, I guess, the reason you run is because you like to challenge yourself and um, you have had quite the journey, I guess. And, you know, if you're open to sharing, you know, you are a mum of, well, three children. So Mm -hmm. you have Jack. Now, is Jack your eight-year-old or 10-year-old? Um, so, yeah, he'll be eight this month, yeah. Jack's eight and Amity is ten. And yep. also you had a baby boy, Max, who passed away shortly after he was born. Yeah. So right. if you're open to sharing about that experience and how I guess I wanted to know, like, in light of that adversity, mm-hmm. how that's shaped your resilience and your strength and and how it's shaped you as a person and what changed in your life, I guess, after having that harrowing experience as a mother yeah. Yeah. Um, and I guess what that means for you now in light of your running journey and why you run yeah so um oh, it changes it changes everything losing a child you you're never the same person again mm. um doesn't mean you won't be a whole person again because you you will be mm. um so Max um was my first child um in 2010 I was pregnant with Max um, and uh, at our 12-week scan, so our first scan, <clears throat> um, we were put into the high-risk category. So I had to have an amniocentesis, which is a uh, biopsy on the amniotic fluid, um, and that came back fine. So that was, uh, you know, that was so scary to go through that. Um, and then we were given the okay, all of his chromosomes were perfect. Um, and then at um, our 20-week morphology scan, that's when they found something wrong with his heart um, and he was just, he was too little at that point. 
to know exactly what they thought it might have been um, his aorta. Um, it's just a bit small um, and they would have probably been able to fix it if that was the case. Um, so they told us to come back um, six weeks later. So I had to just yeah. continue with my pregnancy, not knowing uh, what was wrong with my child. Um, For six weeks, like that's a long time. <laughs> it's, yeah, it's mental. It's, mm. it's awful. Mm. Um, <clears throat> and then, yeah, at 26 weeks, we went and had another scan. And they basically, um, they gave him a diagnosis. Um, he had hyperplastic left heart syndrome, which is a congenital heart defect. Um, so basically the left side of his heart didn't form properly. It wasn't big enough. Um, his aorta also wasn't um, big enough. It was smaller at one end. His tricuspid valve didn't form properly. It couldn't open properly. Um, so basically his little heart was pumping blood around the wrong way. Mm. Um, so it's a fatal diagnosis. And um, that same day um, we were sat down and we were explained all of that. And the doctor gave us three uh, options, choices that day. Um, so basically he just said, um, <clears throat> you need to tell us now if you want to terminate your 26 weeks, um, we will need to get a court order. So we need to write our report in such a way that we can get that court order to terminate. Mm. The second option we were given was the moment he's born, we fly to Melbourne where they have the best neonatal heart surgeons in Australia. Um, we were told he would have three open heart surgeries in the first year of his life. Sorry. It's okay. And, um, he would just be palliative. So, and they would just try and keep him alive long enough to get a heart transplant, which we were told was pretty much never going to happen. Mm. Um, and then our last option was to just <clears throat> um, continue with the pregnancy, let Max come when he's ready and just let him live out his natural life with no interventions. Mm. Um, so basically we were, we were being told to choose how do you want Max to die? Yeah. That's the choices that we had that day. Mm. Um, so we went home and we discussed it as a family um, with my parents and my husband at the time and we decided that um, we would just let Max continue to grow and live out his life. Mm. Um, so then I had to endure the rest of the pregnancy knowing that once he's born he, he would be leaving us. Mm. Um, and yeah, to, that to have to live, so hard. Yeah, it's, yeah, I, I look back now and I just, I don't know how I actually survived that. Yeah. I mean, um, your first pregnancy as well. And like, yeah. you know, you think of a pregnancy and you think, you know, from 20, you know, 26 weeks till 40 weeks, it's, it's all exciting and happy and everybody's looking at your tummy and they're touching it and they're asking you questions like when you do and you're having baby showers and you're preparing for a nursery and all those things I guess in the back of your mind you're like I'm preparing that my baby is going to die exactly and, and everywhere you go every time you leave the house strangers would ask you know oh wow you're pregnant what are you having you know have you picked a name and I it I just, I didn't tell them because how do you tell this poor stranger who's 
so happy for you right now that oh no this this baby I'm just growing and he's gonna actually die mm. like people can't comprehend that mm. um even friends I told they they would you know stand there going no he's not gonna die and I'm like no he he is and they're like no no it, it won't happen it'll be fine and I'm like no it's this is happening this is real yeah. I've come to terms with it now you have to yeah I mean, yes. was there any, I guess, part of you that was hoping that maybe that wouldn't be the case and that he'd be born and there'd be some type of intervention that was had become available or some miracle or, you know, was there yeah, part of you that was just wishing that? Yeah. Oh, God, yeah. And yeah. when he was born, um, they had him on life support and, you know, that they were, they were trying to come up with anything they could so that we would get to go home with our baby. But, yeah, it just didn't happen that way. So what was that like for you, like when he was born? So he came at 30, 33 plus four weeks. Um, he was a natural birth. My waters broke at home. He was ready to come and meet us. So we went to the hospital. He was a natural birth. Um, and as soon as he was born, um, he was straight on life support. So we didn't get to hold him or meet him properly. Mm. So he got taken away from us. Um, and, uh, yeah, he was on all the machines with all these little wires and it was actually found it really hard to even go and see him because it was just traumatic. Yeah, absolutely. Absolutely. Yeah. Well, what a little fighter. I mean, how many days yeah. did, did he live for? So uh, we decided um, on day two we would take him off life support because we just, we just wanted to cuddle him, just mm. yeah, wanted to cuddle the crap out of him. <laughs> yeah. Um, yeah. So, yeah, they took him off life support. And um, he came to our room in the hospital and um, we just hugged him and loved him mm. as much as we could. Mm. Mm. Oh, I'm so sorry that you had to go through that, <laughs> Nick. I mean, I can't even imagine yeah. how devastating that is for a mother. Mm. Trying very hard not to lose it right now. I know. I'm sorry. Um, me too. <laughs> yeah. Well, I just... I mean, I've seen the grief of a mother who's lost her baby um, mm. a few times yeah. <laughs> um, in person. And but for you as a mother, like I just my heart goes out to you. And I just want to say I'm sorry. Thank you. <laughs> yeah, it's, uh, I wouldn't wish it on my worst enemy. Yeah, it was a horrible. Yeah, I guess through this trauma, you've developed this. And you've told me, like, you know, you've mm. developed this strength and resilience and you didn't want that to be the end of mm. your story, I guess. You no, didn't want that to be not. what Max's life was 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 just, you know, in vain. You wanted to do something to honour and remember him and I guess yeah. and part of your running journey is for that exact reason. So Absolutely. do you want to explain to people what that means to you? Yeah, so um, it took a long time but... Um, and I, I can't pinpoint when it was or if it was a progression thing for me, but I just I made a decision at one point. Just I, I didn't want to be defined as the woman who lost her child. Mm. I wanted to be defined as the woman who got up. Um, so I made that choice to get up yeah. and move forward. Mm. Um, and I just I look at Max now as... Um, such a gift. Um, what I went through is is insane. Like I can't even. I look back and I can't even comprehend how I got through that or survived that. Mm. Um, 
but I just he, he's just such a gift because I, I just think if that didn't break me, you know, that's something that should break someone, mm. but it hasn't. If that didn't break me, then what will? Mm. And I, I feel like that's why I'm drawn to ultras and in particular the backyard ultra. You know, you go into this really mental, weird warp zone mm. where, where you break. Mm. And um, I, I guess I'm seeking that out because I, I need to know if Max didn't break me, then what will? Mm. What can I do? How far can I go? Mm. Um, so I just, and I, I really believe it would be completely selfish of me as his mother to not find out. Mm. Mm. Wow. What an incredible journey. And, and I'm glad that you were the woman that got up and, Mm. and didn't stay down like you know you've taught yourself and your children mm. lots of lessons about life and and you're inspiring lots of people with what you're doing and by just sharing this story like I'm sure there's people listening who've been through a similar journey um, or may go through a similar journey you know of, of any heartbreak and I guess you're showing them what it means to be resilient and strong and I guess, look within and, and fight. And I mean, that format of a backyard ultra, I mean, one of the first ultras you did like in, wasn't a backyard ultra, it was on a track. Mm. <laughs> I mean, that's just as crazy if you ask me, <laughs> maybe crazier. Um, but it does require you more than any other ultra to really kind of find a place within you to keep mm. going. Absolutely. There's not much else to get you around. Like it's kind of you just what sort of things do you like what sort of strategies do you use? But what did you use this year even like in just your recent race to get you around for yeah. how many hours were you running for? I started lap 31. So yeah, 30 hours I was running. 30 hours. So it's every hour, six every hour on the hour, 6.7k. And if yeah. you don't make it back in time, you're out. If you don't get up out of the chair, you're out. Yeah. It's incredible. And you and you did break the female record for that race, didn't you? Yeah, I did. Yeah. So congratulations. Yeah. But Thank what you. were you can't tell us what were you doing this time round to get you through to to that yeah. many laps? Um, it's just you know, you know that race where everything just goes right. Mm. Yeah. Was this that? was that race for me. It was and I I put so much of that down to Leah, my my crew woman, my um, amazing beautiful friend um, she just knew what I needed and she was able to keep my nutrition right you know my hydration right so she kept my body and everything working to keep yeah. going yeah. I just had to keep my mind to keep going you know yeah um, so we both had a job to do yeah it just worked yeah so yeah. what did you do to keep your mind going? Because I'm sure there was some dark moments out there. <laughs> you know what? There wasn't a single dark moment. No? No. <laughs> I know. Oh, come on. Yeah. No, I wow. love everything, everything about this race. So the Walsh um, cattle farm, it's so beautiful out in the Nango. I was just every loop, just loving it. Um, but I did find, you know, as you do each loop, you learn sort of every little aspect of the course mm. um and so you, you just find little things like to look forward to on each loop mm. um and i did break it down to this section i'll walk this section i'll run and right from the first lap i'm going to walk until there i'm going to run until there and just the same pattern every lap mm -hmm. um i also 
every lap on the last stretch, I picked up a rock. Yes. And, <laughs> and I would take it back to Leah at the finish line. She'd be waiting and I'd say, here's your rock. Like it was just, it was really cool. It was just something um, to take my mind off it and a little goal each lap. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah. And I love that they like kept the rocks. Like I saw yeah. your post today and I thought, wow, that's when you know you got a really good team. Like they yeah. knew that actually meant something. It did. Like it was a special <laughs> thing. And they're like, she's keeping 30 rocks. Yeah. And they're just random dirty rocks from a farm. Yeah. But, but they were so important, you know, for that yeah. race. Yeah. Um, wow. Yeah. But I, 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 I do want to share with you um, one of my biggest highlights. From the race um so alice had her two daughters there um and they're only young and um so i ride on my arm during races dbap i put it in nico on my arm for all of my races now and it means don't be a pussy <laughs> i seem like you know toughen up yeah. give the boys a run for their money let's go yeah um so i was sitting there in between laps I, it was late on the first day and the girls were there and one of them looked at um, my arm and she's like what does dbap stand for and alice and i looked at each other like oh what are we gonna say <laughs> <laughs> i just said to her um it's um don't be um a pussycat <laughs> like, oh, okay and um it just evolved into this thing. So I then said to her, oh, if, if I am not going to be a pussycat and be soft and weak, what am I going to be? And um, she said, you're going to be a tiger. And I was like, yeah, I'm going to be a tiger. And um, then so for the next however many laps, the whistle would blow and I'd have to get up and we would all start chanting, don't be a pussycat, be a tiger. Oh, I love so, it. Yeah, it became, yeah, a, a really cool thing. And, oh, um, wow. yeah. I love it's it. Really and look cool what you're teaching. Yeah, teaching those <laughs> yeah. girls. Like, yeah. you've got it. Like, you know, don't be yeah. a pussy cat, be a tiger. Yeah. Like, yeah. And you did. Yeah. <laughs> um, what was like, I guess, the difference in the experience this year compared to last time you ran at the Cow Gully? Like, how did you like make it better? And I guess, in terms of your performance, because um, how many. Case, did you do last time at Dead Cow Gully? Um, so at Dead Cow Gully last year, I did 21 loops. Wow. So that's yeah. a lot different. <laughs> yeah. yeah. Um, everything was different. So I just, I, I, I've met new people since then, um, mm-hmm. Leah being one of them and Alice. Um, they, they, they're the difference. The people around you, yeah. um, that's so important. Mm-hmm. Mm. Yeah. Yeah. And you've changed your bum off. <laughs> I did. I, I put in a few Ks, definitely. I've worked hard for it. There's no doubt about that. Yeah. But, you know, that can get only get you so far. Yeah. Um, the people around you are what are, what are going to keep you mentally fit. Mm-hmm. If you don't have the right people around you, you're not mentally fit. Yeah, that's true. Mm-hmm. So what is it about ultras that you love? What is it about ultras, specifically that format that you love? um it's i just need to know how far i can go um it's really hard to explain Mm. Uh, a backyard ultra once you get to a certain point it's just all mental um if you can get your body to a point where you can just keep on running Mm. and then it's just your mind that's left it you just go to this weird beautiful place um i actually call it the rabbit hole to my coach coach paul um 
I always tell him, I, I want to go back down the rabbit hole and that means we're ready for another race. So, yeah. Do you yeah, think I it's kind of like a flow state almost? Yeah. Like you're in a flow. Like, yeah, everything's gone. Nothing matters. Like, mm. yeah, mm. it's a really nice place to go to. Mm. Mm. So what was it about this race compared to last race that made you stop running? So Dead Calgary last year, um, I had gut issues pretty bad. Like I felt pretty gross, so I stopped. And then I was killed over in pain for hours after. Mm. This time I I had no goal. Like um, So at Clint Eastwood last year, my goal was, 24 hours, 100 miles, and I got it. Mm. And then I stopped the lap after that because I'd reached my goal. Yeah. So I went into Dead Cow Gully this year with no goal in mind just to see how far I could go. But then when I got to the 30 and I knew I'd broken the female course record, it's like a switch just went off. Like oh, yeah. I felt perfectly fine. Yeah. Um, my, my gut had sort of started to be a bit iffy yeah. and my feet were getting sore. but. Um, yeah, I just, it, the, the switch went off, like, oh, I think I've done enough. Like, yeah. I'm satisfied now. Yeah. Uh, and then I, now I feel dissatisfied. Hmm. I shouldn't interesting. have stopped. It's interesting, isn't it, how, like, it's like if you set yourself a training run and you're like, I'm going to do 30 kilometres. Yeah. The minute you hit 30, you're like, yeah. I'm done. And yeah. then your body goes into shock almost. It's yeah. like, ow, everything hurts now. Absolutely. Like, whereas really if you hadn't have set yourself for 30, you probably could have run 50. Like, yeah, that's it. It's like a, it is. It's like a switch in your brain yeah. that tells you, I'm done. Mm. Yeah, it would have, it's interesting to find out, like, if you hadn't, if they hadn't have told you, if you didn't know that you'd broken that mm. record, mm. then maybe you would have kept going. Yeah, and I'm kicking myself because the last two guys uh, standing were only six loops ahead. So mm. if I hadn't oh. just held on a bit longer. <laughs> There's always next year. <laughs> there is. <laughs> I'm coming, boys. There's always next year. That's right. I'm coming, boys. <laughs> <laughs> so what is it about ultra running that you find the most challenging then? Um, probably when you don't have the mental toughness. Um, because they're in so many races, you get to a point where you, your mind does break mm. and then it all becomes really hard. Mm. Mm. You know, you hit that wall. Yeah. And if you don't have strategies to get yourself back out of that, then it's the rest of the race is just not going to be very fun. Mm. So what sort of strategies other than having great crew, like do you use yeah. to get yourself through, like? You count, like I know you asked the other day, and I said counting to eight. Count to eight, and you know what? I did do that at Dead Cow Gully on one loop because I, I thought about so much stuff. I thought about RMA a lot, yeah. and I thought about you, and I did. So there was one section where I was like one, two, and like just counting. Yeah, yeah. Not I mean, that it's I mindless. It. It's, it's so mindless and boring, yeah. but it's like it's easy. It's it's something monotonous, but it's repetitive. Yeah, and it just if you get in, it's almost like. Because uh, counting to eight, it's like a mm. score, right? On on yeah. musical score, so you you're counting to the beat of well, on a road race, for example, I used it when I did Canberra because it's boring yeah. as on a road, yeah. and like you just like one, two, three, four, and then all of a sudden you're going to this kind of trance almost. Yeah, and that's yeah. all you're thinking about is counting to mm. eight, and everything else fades away, and there's no more yeah. pain. It's just I'm going to counting to eight, and that's yeah. it. Yeah, so that's one of my strategies. Like, do you yeah. use music or anything like that? 
music can be a game changer uh, if you get the right music. Sometimes it can go the other way. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> um, yeah, I, I do a lot of um, self-talk, I guess, like, um, yeah. you know, suck it up, you've been through worse, you know. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah. Just and you like think that. of people like when you do you, like think of people per lap, things like that, like I know a lot of people do that or does that sometimes unravel you if you think of people? <laughs> uh, well, actually during Dead Cow Gully this year I made a point of not thinking about certain people. Mm. So if I found them entering my mind, I was like, no, nah, we're not thinking about them this weekend. Yeah. <laughs> you know, or with, with my uni assignments and everything, I, I would just be like, no, no, that's not even a thing right now. Yeah. Yeah, let's talk about that because you are, <laughs> one, you're a single mum now, so you're not in the mm -hmm. relationship you were in before, mm -hmm. in your relationship, however, um, and you work full-time and you're studying to be a lawyer and you almost finished your degree. Like, tell mm -hmm. us how you train and do all those things while being a mum and, like, how do you, how do you juggle all of those balls? Um. I always joke and say I do all of the things, I just don't do them all very well. Yeah, that's me. <laughs> yeah. I look like I'm doing them well, but I'm not. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Um, yeah, I, I just have to be super organised. Um, so on Sundays, Paul sends through my training plan yeah. and it's non-negotiable for me. Like I have to have that each week. It's my thing. Yeah. Um, so I sit down and I write it all out, my training plan. I fit in... Um, the kids and work and like when where am I going to fit in my training am I going to have to wake up at 3 a.m that day while the kids are asleep and do it on the treadmill am I able to do it in my lunch break at work you know it's yeah everything just has to fit and then I just tick off all the boxes each day until the next Sunday yeah <laughs> yeah and like, do you find like you know I guess some people with ultras, it depends on the person. Like, are you a high mileage runner in terms of training? Or are you just like a quality over quantity type runner? Um, so last year, Paul and I had me doing um, over 500k a month in the lead up to um, Clint Eastwood. Um, but um, with this semester, I'm also doing PLT as well full time. So that's the course you do after you finish your law degree to be admitted as a lawyer. Mm -hmm. So I'm doing that simultaneously with my law degree right now. So I just said to him, let's just like have, you know, the running load just for yeah. a little while. Um, so that's what we've done. Um, I was lucky most weeks to be getting 100K, um, but it worked. So, and, and that's what we wanted to kind of test as well. So whether that less is more approach would be beneficial if it would backfire, yeah. but it worked because yeah. it, it kept me less stressed. Like, oh, how am I going to fit in six hours of running on Sunday when I've got yeah. the kids and, you know, two assignments due? Yeah. So yeah, you just stripped it right back. Yeah. And, mm. I mean, treadmills are amazing. <laughs> like, if you yeah. get on them, you get on them. And I guess that's kind of a good thing for mental training as well. Yep. Yeah. On a treadmill. Like, I've found that I'm, I'm actually really liking my treadmill at the moment. I love my treadmill. Yeah, because I'm yeah. like, it's just just chuck on netflix yeah <laughs> today i was like right i've got to do like a little bit of a wasn't a it was kind of like a tempo and i was like oh well i reckon i can do 10ks on the treadmill by just zoning out with netflix mm. and trying to stick at that pace and it's so good yeah. to just train especially for like i'm trying to do a mix of a road and um ultra yeah trail ultra <laughs> mix at the moment which is a bit difficult but um it's good for the road because it's mm -hmm. that constant yeah constant running so um 
yeah, I'm just using it for that so that I can get my legs used to that consistency. Yeah. Um, yeah. What's your next race? Uh, well, the next one, um, the big one is Brisbane Trail Ultra, the 60. Oh, yes, that's right. Yeah. And I'm doing um, 10Ks um, at the Sydney 10. Yeah. For fun. <laughs> just for kids. Yeah. And then um, I'm doing the half marathon at Sydney Morning Herald as oh, well. Nice. Yeah. So um, just I thought I'll just throw in some roads as well. Yeah. Yeah, your heart's with the trails. It's, oh, it totally is with the yeah. trails. I thought, look, I only said yes. To, I got asked if I wanted to do Sydney, um, but I said yes because it's a challenge. And yeah. I thought, I hate it mm-hmm. <laughs> in terms of like the roads are really hard mentally for me. Yeah. It's just that constant running for like yeah. 21Ks. If you can't hide, it's like. Yeah. And it's constant effort. A constant effort and I yeah. thought you know I'm gonna do it because it's gonna hurt and it's yeah. a challenge and I need that before I do Brisbane I need to hurt yeah. I need to know that it's gonna hurt because it's gonna hurt so yeah. <laughs> I kind of want to feel like you I want to feel the hurt but I want to mm-hmm. know how far I can push myself yeah um and it's been a while since I've done an ultra um since 2018 so, oh wow yeah because COVID just yeah uh, I did do an ultra in, sorry, in lockdown, Mark, and I did um, 45Ks on the trail, but that wasn't a race. It was our yeah. own. But yeah. um, so 2018 UTA 100 or maybe it was 2019. Hang on. Maybe it was 2019 UTA 50. Mm. can't even remember. Um, yeah, I think it was. Um, it was my last ultra. Yeah. And so my legs need to get used to that pain again. Yeah. Um, and pushing through. So I thought I'd give myself a little challenge but um I wanted to ask too like if anyone wants to start running ultras what's some of your tips yeah um I would say just start don't think about the end result don't think about how far an ultra is Mm. just think about that first day what do you have to do on what do you have to do today Mm. to be able to get to there Mm. you know just start you don't have to go far yeah yeah you don't yeah we don't all wake up and run 100k ultra there's no way (laughs) that's right (laughs) yeah it's a process it's consistency it's the want to do it yeah if you don't have that you're just not going to do it Mm. it's just showing up showing up daily find some girlfriends who want to go jogging with you and then go have coffee afterwards you know make it fun yeah yeah Absolutely. I, I even like to social run. Yeah, it comes from an RMA yeah. social run. Yeah. And I even like like to say in the race itself, um, mm. and you would probably think this, don't go in thinking, oh, gosh, I've got to run 50K or, oh, no, I've got yeah. to run like 200 kilometres. It's mm-hmm. like, well, I like to say, well, I'm here, yeah. I'm here for the day. Like yep. anything could happen. I could be here for the whole day. I could be here for half the day, but I'm here That's for true. the day and anything yeah. below the day is, is great. <laughs> so yeah. be in the moment. Pressure. Yeah. Don't yeah. just, just. That's also how, point, you know, whatever. That's what Leah kept telling me um, at Deg Gully. actually. She's like, we don't have to think about any lap other than the one we're on right now. Yeah. The other ones don't exist. They're not here yet. Let's just look at this one. Yeah. So. I love it. I love that. Well, you make me want to do Dead Cow Gully now. <laughs> you should do it. <laughs> oh, man. Yeah, maybe. Um, <laughs> what would, you know, what advice would you give to women who have maybe lost a child in terms of, mm-hmm. like, not losing themselves? Like, what do you think 
in terms of your experience and your journey, what was the best thing that you did looking back? Hadding, had you not done it, you wouldn't be the person you are today, do you think? Everyone's really different and grief is a really hard and different thing for everyone. So it's really hard to give advice to someone who's grieving mm. um, because they have to go through their own motion and their own waves. Mm. Um, but the best thing I did was get up. Mm. I got up and just get up every day, whatever it takes. And then eventually you'll be getting up and it'll get easier and easier. Mm. Yeah, I love that. So let's go through the RMA hot lap. <laughs> we like to ask this at the end of yeah. our podcast. So the questions I have for you are, and I actually want to know this now because we didn't, you didn't actually tell me what you had eaten, but what's your favourite race fuel? What did you eat in Dead Cow Gully? Um, I ate a lot of oat bars and a lot of noodles. Um, Leah would probably be able to answer this question better. <laughs> <laughs> whatever she put in front of me yeah um, yeah but noodles were so amazing i remember they stuck that in front of me and i just woofed that down it was so good good mm. that's really good because sometimes like i've looked at noodles in a race and i'm like yeah i just can't yeah. and i had a lot of jam sandwiches actually too yeah yeah, yeah mm. jam sandwiches are good honey sandwiches are good too yeah those <laughs> um what is your favorite thing to wear Mm -hmm. in an ultra i'm very 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 specific about what i wear nothing changes mm -hmm. abby and joseph short yep. every time nike crop yep uh features socks asics kianos on my feet wow yep yeah um on top i usually have a nike top on or my ronco shirt yep um on my head always 2xu visor yep Usually right. the RMA, RMA visor. Because <laughs> I've seen you wear, yeah, the same thing each time. I thought that, yeah, yeah it's obviously, it's, I'm a bit the same. I don't really, I just wear the same thing all the time because I know it's comfortable and yeah. it works for me. Yeah. <laughs> so I'm not a big fad girl when it comes to, like, all the new running tights or whatever that come out. I'm like, no, no. I'm happy with mine. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Same thing every time. Yeah, yeah. Um, what is one thing you can't go without on a long run? Hmm. Water. <laughs> <laughs> I thought you were going to say, like, I don't know, people. <laughs> like, you can. You can't go without people. Um, but yeah, that's true. Water. Yep. Can't go without that. Okay. What is your favourite running moment to date? Dead Cow Gully 22. <laughs> yeah. Being, um, so I was in the top 10 and I was lined up at that start line of lap 30 with like some of the biggest male names in Australian ultra running at the moment, like it, you know, the Ryan Crawfords, the Chris Murphys, um, the Barry Lovedays. It was, yeah, it was a pinch myself moment. Mm, that's so cool. And I'm going to beat them all one day. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> you put that out there, girl. And, and like, you should come and do um, the Southern Sydney 24 hour here. It's right around mm. my house. Oh, really? That's soon, I think, is it? July. Yeah. Mm. Mm. Something, something to think about. Something to think about. Um, happy to crew you. Um, Thank you. Okay. Uh, the last one I have for you is what is one word to sum up your experience so far? With running? With, yeah, running life. 
how it all mixes together. Mm, joy. Mm. Yeah. I mm. love that. Mm. And you are exuberant joy everywhere you go, you know, you are. Yeah, you are. You are. Well, thanks for sharing with us, Nick. It's Thank you for having me. Beautiful to listen to your story and continue to do what you do best and inspire those people around you. And, you know, you've got a lot of belief in yourself and that's beautiful to see because I think a lot of women could do some of that in their life. And, yeah, you are, I guess, the epitome of what it means to be in our community as an RMA and as an ambassador. And I just want to say thank you. Thank you. Thank you for having me. Well, I hope you loved this episode with Nicole Jukes. What an amazing story and what a courageous and inspirational woman. I look forward to bringing you another amazing story with another beautiful RMA in a fortnight's time. For now, I hope you are all safe and well wherever you are. Please, if you love this podcast, share with your friends and subscribe, rate and review. I look forward to joining you next time.